Welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. It's very Thanksgiving music. Yeah, of, that's of you. That definitely makes me think of Thanksgiving. <laughs> Does it? What what music would make you think of Thanksgiving? By the way, you know, I've looked that up in the past because at home we like to sing songs like an Advent. We'll sing Advent songs, Christmas, sing Christmas songs. Because we we play music as a family, and so you're a seasonal family. Yeah. So a few Thanksgivings ago, I was like, okay, well let's let's find all the Thanksgiving music. There's literally just one song that like America kind of sings for Thanksgiving, Which and it's is? a hymn. Believe it or not, really? you ever heard the song? Um, Let all things now living a song of Thanksgiving. Yeah, you ever heard that? Mm-hmm. So every year at the I don't White sing House, it, but I've heard it. Yeah, every year at the White House, they sing the song on the on the front lawn. They've been doing that for years and years. Really, but like it's it's kind of like our national Thanksgiving song. Really, yeah. Um, mm. It's a it's a Protestant hymn, but it, it's been associated with giving thanks, and uh, that became our. So that's the only one I'm aware of. Who knows? So get together and sing that next Thursday, folks. Yeah. Well, most people, when it comes to Thanksgiving, are already singing Christmas songs. That's right. You know. So the challenge is, is just to be in the season. You know, and we debate all this all the time, every year on the show. Mm-hmm. It's worth doing again. I mean, we don't really debate it. We talk about it. Right. The tension between starting Christmas too early and skipping over Advent, because <clears throat> Advent happens in a couple of weeks, right? Like this Sunday, we begin a new year, we celebrate Christ the King. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big deal. It is a big old deal. It's worth our time and attention. We're going to give it that today, Yeah. by the way. So anyway, welcome to the show, everyone, wherever you're listening on the radio or on the podcast. Super grateful for you. We've had a crazy week. I've seen you online on Zoom mm-hmm. and in the studio. Yeah, it's all kind of ways. Yeah, we've been doing the great group. Multimedia. Men's group online. It's been it's been awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how something simple mm-hmm. but just intentional intentional you just yeah. do so much right like to build to build spiritual grit you got to start habits positive habits consistency right mm. and when we do that in life like we're consistent on certain behaviors or certain things uh then it builds habits right virtue is what you know we call them but all all rooted in grace and relationship with Christ so to do the hard things takes consistency and habit and building that in, whether it be, you know, things we want to do physically, mentally, or spiritually to grow as people. So, you know, to see all the guys, including myself, kind of like start to build in a little bit of consistency at a time to build some habits. Yeah. Well, and you're getting uh, double gritty because yeah, you're leading two groups. I got two groups and both are, you know, really different. So I'm getting challenged in the different ones, you know, We'll probably all lose our souls over Thanksgiving because we'll all eat too much and then <laughs> have to gather back. But um, anyway, it's been been cool. So been good to see you this yeah, week. Yeah, same here. All right, so I'm assuming you have a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though. So I know you. I know you. Uh, Do you? You recognize the the COVID situation? Mm, it, that did happen. And then you heard about the murder hornets. Yes. And you heard about, you know, several things. But have you seen the latest threat? Oh. And it's not monkeypox. No, not monkeypox. It's owls. Owls? Really? Yes. Um, My wife has an infatuation with owls. Like the beauty of them. Well, apparently they're tired of being 
messed with. Okay, well, tell me. They're starting to attack humans oh. at a growing rate. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a thing. Uh, so This is interesting because my parents have a story of me when I was a kid, like in diapers, so I don't have a memory of it. So like you're in diapers like two, mm-hmm. okay, where you can still run around, like you're walking and running, but you're still in diapers. Yeah. And we're out at a camp, like outdoors at a camp, and an owl swooped down and like attacked me. Really? Yeah. Did it try to pick you up? Yeah. That would have been something. That's what they say. Little Paul flying I got, off. I gotta re I gotta ask my mom about that <laughs> over Thanksgiving. Be like, did I dream that or was that true? But like that's a it's like a real image in my mind. That's crazy. So okay. maybe you started a trend. No, no, no. So what happened? Okay, so Kristen Matheson, mm-hmm. who lives in Hansville, Washington, okay. walks into the ER for the second time in a week. Because she was attacked by an owl. Mm, the attack. And by attack, I mean swoops down, starts pecking and clawing. Yeah, these. I mean, they're they're they have big claws and just yeah, like boom. So like her head was a bloody mess when really? she walked into the ER. Yes, and apparently this is not an isolated incident. Um, so she have like an infestation of owls, like in certain. No, she was walk. She was walking through the neighborhood. Oh, just the neighborhood. And boom, an owl swooped down. Yeah. She had like big hair, you know, so they like thought maybe like there was a, like a rat in the hair. Yeah, that's a good question. To... I don't see big hair. You I see, see normal hair. hair. But I mean, it was literally, so it happened on a Saturday once. Okay. Next Saturday, it happened again. Hmm. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be funny if the if the owl swooped down and the person had like a, a weave or a wig? And... <laughs> well, maybe it took the wig away because I don't see a wig Picked now. it up and flew off. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so this is a growing trend. And, you know, the people that are worried about this kind of stuff, they're saying that owls are aggressive and highly territorial. Mm, that's true. And so, some, for some reason, we're kind of, like we're triggering them hmm. at a new rate. Because we're both territorial people. That's true. And, and animals. That's true. My son got in a wreck once. It wasn't his fault. At a, at a, <clears throat> at a light, a person ran a light and hit him. And I was like... You know, so I, you know, I got a call, so I ran over there or drove over there and, you know, whatever. And, you know, it's a little shaken up, but, you know, no one was hurt. I said, what do, what do you remember from the wreck? He said, all I remember is like hitting this woman, you know, like broadside because she ran the red light and seeing her weave. Oh, my goodness. Fly off. He's like, that's the only thing I could remember. That would stand out in a memory. Yeah. And in the middle of this wreck, like I just like fell on the ground laughing. Like I couldn't uncontrollably <laughs> like like her wig just flew flew off. He's like, Yeah, it just like she hit and then it just flew. <laughs> oh man. Well, here's the advice from the experts. Okay. That they're in nesting season, apparently. Leave them alone. And you gotta watch out for owls this year. Mm. So just tell your friends, tell your families. We have some owls in Louisiana. Okay. Mm. Speaking if you of, see them up in the tree, yeah. don't stare them down. I know they're pretty to look at, mm. but if for some reason they're triggered this year. We have triggered the owls. Well, you know all about nesting, like when you know, like in the in the home. Yeah, human nesting. Yeah. yeah, human nesting. Like when your wife is like pregnant, or you know, like you're you're moving, or what, like there is like an emotional sort of nesting that happens. That's right. Don't get in their way. No, no, no. Like let it happen. Like mm-hmm. you know, you learn. Like hey, let me get in the way, and you're like, no, that's not going to work. Right. You know, you're going to go owl on me. <laughs> and that, that owl bet. <laughs> so, um, but I do think, like, honestly, like, in a lot of ways, 
if you take the word like nesting in a spiritual sense, I know this is going to sound crazy, <laughs> but for us, for us as Catholics, as humans, as we incorporate like our identity into the spiritual life, right? Or the spiritual life in our identity, like it, it becomes a living, breathing uh, ecosystem in our heart of like living for Christ is that <clears throat> we, we need to learn to nest in the seasons, and I say that in, in all honesty because the world's going to tell us to move on from Advent into Christmas before we even like reflect on like the power of the incarnation, right? So we come into Christ the King this Sunday, which is like the end of ordinary time. Like, hey, it's over. We're beginning a new year. Trumpets are blowing. Jesus enter, enters the world. So, so we enter into this reading sort of towards the end of his life, right? Like Christ is the king, you know, like he's on the cross, you know, I mean, and then, you know, all around the world, they've started the tradition of Eucharistic processions or, you know, these big high masses. Like it's like a celebration, like trumpets are blowing, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> that's what I imagine. Like here comes the king, right? And then that ushers us into this humble season of Advent where we journey uh, with the beauty of the incarnation, Mary and Joseph, and and like really enter into this this beautiful time, and yet, right, we're already shopping on Amazon, you know, Christmas and gifts, and a lot of like, and I get it, like it's part of like what happens, but can we honestly rest and quote unquote nest in each season and let God do His thing? One well, interior nesting looks different than exterior nesting, mm-hmm. and so you mentioned Advent. I, I'm fascinated at what seems to be a growing phenomenon, which is secular Advent. You've heard of secular Christmas before, right? Of course, Kinda yeah. Se- I mean, yeah, we've all heard of that. Yeah, I mean, Jingle Bells, Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah I mean, you go in. And it's not intrinsically evil, but the idea is no. At Christmas, Halloween, you go into you know yeah. any hardware store and or, or convenient, like it's all. Christmas already, yeah. Right. Well, I guess because the Christmas market is kind of maxing out or plateauing, they're now developing secular Advent. Have you secular seen this? Secular Advent wreath? Candles? What? <clears throat> no, like, no. What it's, it's the exact opposite of what Advent should be, just like secular Christmas. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, and it's this interior-exterior difference. So secular Christmas is an exterior thing, right? Like I have to build a lot of things exteriorly, get a lot of presents, do a lot of parties, like... That's the purpose of Christmas is to kind of build this exterior wonderland instead of an interior mm. welcoming of the Lord into our life, right? So this exterior Advent, the secular Advent, literally you get a calendar counting down to Christmas, and then you have certain gifts to to do each day, right? Oh, okay. So, so more, if you've seen more this, gifts. Right. More so, consumerism. Yeah. So for example- More money, to, parents. Spend. Not to uh, promote certain things, but there's a certain um, plastic brick building company. Mm. toy company that has advent calendar Mm. and you open up each day and you get a new little thing to build. Oh, and then you buy the thing to build. Right. Mm. Um, Then there's more adult versions. So like chocolate companies are having advent calendars where there's a little chocolate to eat every day. You know, it kind of, in some ways it makes me a little angry. Like, you know, this is what the, this is what the secular world does is like, it takes, the Christian tradition. Right. And like... Turns it on its head. Turns it on its head and, and commercialize it. Money. And it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And look, we're, we're not bagging on like the whole Christmas thing. Like there is something beautiful about parties and like right. family and, you know, 
the giving of gifts and whatever, like all that has still has a very Christian undertone and meaning to it. Right. But what we're talking about is like entering into the season spiritually. And what you're talking about is internally. Yeah. Interior nesting. Interior nesting, like absorbing the reality that what is taking place spiritually in our spiritual life is like happening in my heart. And that's a, I think that's a good point because that's what, what we're trying to do with the grit groups, like the mm-hmm. men's, is like let's develop like this interior, you know, fortitude, virtue, strength, grace to grow this spiritual life inside of us. And we call the church our mother for a reason, because the church is a motherly presence in our life, and the church nests for us. Like the church reaches into our interior, into our soul with the seasons. So you mentioned Christ the King coming soon. That's our mother church nesting in us, preparing our hearts to accept Christ as king of our life. Now, this is something that happens year-round, hopefully, that we acknowledge Jesus as king of our life and of the universe, but there's one day a year that our mother, the church, wants to give attention to that part of our spiritual nest, right? Like that part of our interior life, that we would welcome the presence of God as king in a particular way this coming Sunday. And we would celebrate throughout the world this fact that Jesus is already king. He's already king of the universe, but we're proclaiming it to the world and we're accepting it in our own life in a particular way. Our mother nests in our soul. You know, when Advent comes along, the church is preparing us with the readings of every day in scripture that we we read at Mass, with the uh, Advent wreath, with the Liturgy of the Hours, whatever the church gives us to nest in our soul, it's to prepare a place for Christ who comes to us. Right, like this owl isn't instinctually evil or angry. Right, well, like, like right, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, their instinct is to nest right now, like whatever season they're in. Their instinct just tells them that, right? So they don't have the intellect or the will, in a sense, to like, right, right. choose to be angry. It It is a literal instinct that they're nesting, and and they, they are observing that someone is interrupting that. Mm-hmm. And so they just react into attack, whatever, you know, it honestly, like animals don't have to think instinct will tell them when to reproduce, when to nest, when to migrate and fly and build a nest and reproduce, you know, like in this cyclical sort of idea of that. And like, what if we came to a point in our spiritual life where the, the spiritual, like internal life of nesting just became very instinctual for us to just sit with the Lord in, in the season that he has us in, in the, in the prayer time, in, in the, in the growth and the healing and all those things that he's doing in us and just allow ourselves to be there right internally becomes just a habit for us. That That's what, that's ultimately the goal. And it takes a relationship with the church daily where I look to the church to be my mother. And by that, I mean, what the church is doing. So what is the church doing all over the world right now? We're getting ready for Christ the King, right? So is that just something I I treat like I might treat any other hobby in my life? You know, like, oh, I'm Catholic, so we're doing Christ the King on Sunday, so that means this, this, I'm kind of checking that off. Or am I really part of the family of the church where Holy Mother Church is saying, this is what we're all focused on right now, right? This is the mystery we're meditating on. This is the the truth we're proclaiming, and I let that impact my life as part of the family of the church. Mm. The church can't be a hobby or a club. For example, to go back to the example of Advent and Christmas, the church doesn't do Christmas. The church doesn't do Advent like everyone else does. 
the church gave us Christmas. The church gives us Advent. Right. And so am I on board with the family of the church in the way we do Advent, the way we do Christmas? It's, it's not like we're just part of the world that does Christmas. Right. Holy Mother Church gives us this to prepare our hearts for the Lord. Hmm. So anyway, it takes, a, it takes a daily experience of that, like you mentioned, an instinct. The only way to develop that spiritual instinct of, of looking for Christ and letting the church prepare the way for Christ in my own interior life is that every day I see myself as a member of this church. I see myself as someone who is part of this giant family. Hmm. And uh, I'm not, it's not just a hobby of mine. That's the problem. Christianity cannot be a hobby. No. Or a club. Just stop it. It can't. can't be. I was kind of picturing you when you were talking, if you look like an Uh-oh. owl. Oh, gosh. No, seriously. Like, Kinda. if you were an owl, what type of owl would you be? Who knows? Right. Like, <laughs> who? Who? Like, if you grew your beard out more and, like, up further on your face. Yeah. I well, can, can you know, what's funny it. about owls is uh, their interior and exterior are quite different, to mention that idea again. But... Mm. Have you ever seen an owl without feathers? No, I try not to. <clears throat> it's very thin. Yeah, well, I'm sure. It looks big and plump. Can you imagine? What you, Have you plucked any bird ever? No, but I've seen pictures of like... N- a naked owl? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that... It's very thin. I'd, I'd love to know what you do in your spare time. <laughs> it's very, very thin. Well, like any bird. Like, I've, I'm a hunter, so like a duck. Like you, You're like, oh, this thing's puffy and big, and and then you pull the feathers off, and you're like, oh, you're right. a little skinny. A chicken, like, you've eaten those. Like they're, they're, True. You see what I'm saying? Like, But an owl in particular, it's kind of shocking the difference between... Like, if you take our skin and muscle off and just our bones, you're like, wow, it's pretty skeleton, you know, thin. Yeah. But I think there's something to that, to, to invest in our interior, not just our exterior, right? Like, mm. don't be puffy like an owl where you seem Ooh, like you're a lot, yeah. a lot's going on, but nothing's going on underneath. Yeah. I know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, our Lord tells us to invest in treasures in heaven, not on earth. And that is that distinction. Because mm. I can either like be a, a real meaty owl. I know some puffy owls right now. Yeah. I, need to, <laughs> I need to give some calls to <laughs> posting all these like things on Facebook. You're all yeah. puffy. You know, right. On the inside, I know what's going Just on. Just thin and bony. Just. Interiorly. Pluck your feathers, man. <laughs> Here's what's cool. Uh, Advent starts next week. Uh, Christ the King this week. Thanksgiving actually falls in the middle of that. We get to like actually celebrate Thanksgiving and be very thankful for it. Mm-hmm. So here, here's a cool thing. Like When we come back from the break, we're going to tell you a little bit. Maybe you don't know this. The Catholics' influence on Thanksgiving from a long, long time ago. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. I'll take a quick break. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844 387 That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in today. Deacon Adam Conk, Paul George in studio. 
Uh, we'll probably take next week Do you think a new listener knows which is which? Like who is who? Yeah. Who? Who yeah. is Paul George? Like, who? Like this voice or, right. or that voice? I just want to leave him in mystery. I don't want to clear this up. Well, is yeah, I mean, people who wouldn't know us just listen to the show wouldn't know who we are. They don't look... I guess I call you Paul sometimes and you call me Adam but, sometimes. But if you did shave your beard, like if the, people don't know this, like I don't have mm-hmm. a beard, Adam has a big fluffy beard, and your face is thinner and you look younger. You look, actually yeah. look younger shaven, just by the way. Yeah, for And sure. that's not a bad thing. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you look old. I'm just saying you look younger. Yeah. You know, so, you know. Yeah. I look, uh, I think I'm like the owl where I'm better off with some feathers on. Oh, you think so? It's a little shocking. I think most, <laughs> most birds, I wouldn't, I would say all birds look better with their feathers on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm just like that. Um, better with the beard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But speaking of birds, turkeys <laughs> we celebrate this week. And do, you know, like turkeys have this, these really tough, hard feathers. So like people who hmm. hunt them, like you have to be fairly close to the turkey and use certain bullets so it'll penetrate their feathers. I didn't know that at all. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm talking about wild turkeys. I don't know about like farm raised turkeys. I'm sure that you, know, right. you don't shoot those. They just slaughter them somehow. See, I think we should try to be more like the turkey than the owl. Tough feathers. Tough feathers. It's hard to something to hit us, but then also like very meaty. Not just feathers, you know what I'm saying? They right. got the tough feathers, but there's more to it than that. Well, usually a wild turkey is more like their their meat's gonna be a little bit tougher because they're, you know, they're Gritty. wild, they're they're gamey, mm-hmm. you know. But they they do have a tough exterior, which you know, like protects them, but at the same time, maybe could hide what's truly inside. Which we've been on that theme, yeah. You know, yeah. So don't be a turkey either, okay, or a puffy owl. No puffy owl, no uh, impenetrable turkey. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't know uh, if you had a weird Catholic stuff or not, but yeah, yeah, I do. What did you say? What? A little late on that one. Though. Really? But here we are. Okay. Talking about weird things. Catholics are so weird. Weird. I can't remember if you had the weird Catholic stuff or if I had the weird Catholic stuff. I think it's you, and I was late to the draw on the music. So I actually have the weird Catholic stuff today? I think so. Okay, Um, here's maybe, you know, uh, something weird, mm -hmm. but not. There's a couple of weird Catholic things we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think you had one and I had one. I think that's the confusion. Yeah, that's what Because one was around Christ the King, Mm -hmm. uh, and the other one was around Thanksgiving. Did you know... Okay, we're Catholics. That so you know, like both of both of us at different times have traveled to Saint Augustine, Florida. Yes, which if you can do the the semantics, the the uh, wordsmithing, the the break that down, Saint Augustine, Saint Augustine, like that's you know, like it's named after a saint. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, tradition holds. And there's a monument there that the very first mass celebrated in the Americas was, or in North America was right there. That's right. St. Augustine, Florida. First shot, first spot for mass. So I've been there, you've been there. Mm -hmm. It's pretty neat. Some people hold this though. So here's the weird Catholic thing that kind of like, and here's what's cool is like, like, 
you know, and in faith in in our spiritual life, like every everything can be sanctified and and made you know good and holy. Like we can change culture that way, right? Mm-hmm. The first American Thanksgiving was actually celebrated on September eighth, eighth, the feast of the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary, in fifteen sixty five, a few years ago, in Saint Augustine, Florida. The Native Americans and Spanish settlers held a feast, and the Holy Mass was offered. This was 56 years before the Puritan pilgrims of Massachusetts. Don Pedro Mendez came ashore amid the, the sounding of trumpets, artillery salutes, and yada, yada, yada. So there's sort of these two Thanksgivings that happen Was that the day of the first Mass, September 8th? And then they had a meal after? I don't know if that was the exact first Mass, but I mean, it was the what they're saying is the first Thanksgiving meal right, together right. with uh, the natives and uh, and and the Spanish settlers, and they celebrated Mass, a holy thing together. So there wasn't this, like, you know, division that yeah. was happening. So now we can all be weird next Thursday when we go to our family gatherings. We can be weird Catholics. Did you know this isn't the real first Thanksgiving mm-hmm. meal? So they're saying that the second American Thanksgiving was happened with Don Juan Donato requested the friars to say Mass of Thanksgiving after which he formally proclaimed La Toma. So anyway, like, there's all this, you know, history, but um, Catholics are a part of that. That's awesome. There's something very Catholic about having a meal. Yeah. Something very, you know, faith-based, family. You know, it's interesting to me that a lot of, a lot of people I'm talking to that are younger than you, like you're, like kind of your generation down a little bit, Mm -hmm. that are like married now, and they don't, they don't eat together. Yeah, that's rough. They don't have family meal together. That's rough. Um, now think about this. Like think about what's happening. Like, like they're just not eating together. Like we live in a world where like we have waiter and apps and you know Grubhub and whatever. I'm naming things that I don't even use. But um, we order food. We to go. We're at games. We're just we're busy. And families don't eat together. And then it's just you know when you have little kids, it's just too hard to eat together. So it's just like it's a crazy mess. So a lot of people here in South Louisiana. <laughs> Yeah. They're not eating together. So a lot of people will feed their kids, you know, at like whatever, five, five thirty six, you know, and then the couple might eat together later or they just might like there's just no consistency. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's happened a lot, like a big time. Like it's a movement away from like the dinner table, which is like the most sacred of places in the home is the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah, there's a sacramental value to the table because it's symbol I mean the the two the two tables of Catholic culture are the altar, where we offer the sacri- holy sacrifice of the mass and consume it. The meal. And then literally the table at home mm-hmm. where we give thanks to God for what he's given us in the food we eat mm-hmm. and then offer it back to him by eating together as a family at that table. Right? It's not the same offering to God. Like, thanks, thank you God for this food. We we give that thanks partially by sharing it as a family together. Yeah, because it it blesses our family to be together, and so the reason God gave us food was not just to keep us alive, our, in our bodies, but keep us alive in our family. You know? Yeah, and so uh, yeah, that's in, that is a troubling trend. I didn't know that was like a thing. Yeah, it's it's happening, and I, I think people just don't know how to do it, so they're just not, or maybe they they didn't do it growing up, or they're 
you know, came from a home where they're just so busy. Both parents are working. It, like, look, I'm not like judging. There's a lot of right, dynamics right. going on. But what I'm saying is like the move back to the table is like huge. Like if it you were just huge. simply like if you were to ask me, like, what is the one thing that you you guys did that that you would never change that was really hard and really good and was really something is like we just ate together. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. like so you didn't go to like daily mass as a family, like force your kids to say five rosaries a day and you know <laughs> do liturgy of the hours until they bled, <laughs> right? That that'd be a lot of like we the over hours. like kind of complicate it. And like no, like we uh, we just ate dinner together every night. Like we just like we had dinner. Like that's it. And we fought. We argued. We debated. Uh, you know, like it was everything was like. All the formation happened yeah. around the dinner table. And now that you say that, I can imagine if, as a young Catholic, especially with a young family, if my world was spent kind of digitally, like for example, if I looked up how to grow in your faith as a family, I might see, a, like, usually there's lists. So here's seven things you could do as a family. Right, long list. And it might be the things you mentioned, like, why don't y'all go to mass weekly, once a week? Why don't y'all make a holy hour? Mm-hmm. Why don't y'all pray the rosary? Pray the rosary, which is all good things. Kneel on rice, but it might not just say. Well, why don't we just start with eating together? It's sacred. Like and just it, start like, doing that. Like being family because you you pray for your meal. Yeah, and then you you talk about your day. You fight about all the things. Kids throw food, and, <laughs> you know, when they're younger, and like it's just constantly. So we would look like as our kids got older. Like when they were younger, it was hard. Like they didn't want to be there. They left. Like, it, but it was just like we're just gonna do it, and then like it's just gonna be messy, right? Exactly. And as they got older, like you kind of talk through it, and and like you just having. And then as they get older, and they're in and out of the house, you know, as teenagers or whatever, then we would just schedule nights. Okay, what nights are we all home? Mm-hmm. So these nights are non-negotiable. Like we're all eating dinner together. Then you can go off and do your thing, at least weekly, because it's the same. It's the same rhythm of the altar as the kitchen table it should just be the same rhythm we're obliged to come weekly together as a family to give thanks for our life by sunday mass as a people and offer that thanks in the holy sacrifice of the mass to god the father there's a similar rhythm to the family table it should be at least weekly that everyone's there to give thanks to god and nothing's more humbling from like a creature standpoint to to thank god for our food it's not just and as you're saying this, I'm realizing, like, if you're a young Catholic, you might not even have thought that. Like, why do we even say a blessing before our meals? What's so special about meals? Because God is literally providing for us what we need for our life through the food we eat. Mm-hmm. And there's a very humbling act when you acknowledge that and say God is the source of our food. And we thank him for our food. And then we share a meal to give thanks to him for our food as a family. Yeah, That's I mean, so simple. And maybe people miss it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy... You know, with the first Thanksgiving celebrating a mass, I mean, the word Eucharist is Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? Like, so like this whole idea of Thanksgiving is like an, a re-encounter with the sacred, with, not only with mass, but the, making our table sacred at home to give thanks to God and to be family together, to eat together. Uh, and so just consistently, like just sitting down at the table, I mean, we do simple things like, what was your high today? What was your low? So it just mm-hmm. had a conversation started. Like we didn't have to be like, hey, who are you voting for for the election? Like let's talk <laughs> deep stuff. The high-low was like happy, sad things, which are happy, sad, whatever. Kids just learn to talk and like 
communicate? Like, where'd you kids learn to talk and communicate? Dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where'd they learn manners? Dinner too. Like, like after that, it was like, look, we sat through chaotic. And look, part of me, because I didn't grow up in a big family, my parents were divorced, so like everything was a little in, inconsistent with, with like that. I didn't really know how to do consistent dinner as a family, you know, with, mm-hmm. with a wife and a husband and kids, you know, like I'm like, so I just had to like learn because I just knew that this was sacred and important and it was messy. It was chaotic, right? Just at your yeah. house, you have nine kids. Oh, gosh, like, yes. There's nothing, you know, like you got a little one running around under the table, probably eating food down there and like people climbing and the teenagers and then they start fighting and people are trying to talk over each other. And like, it's, it is just life. Of course. Like, let it just be that. Well, that's the thing is at the table, you're offering God, offering to God the life he gave you. So if it's a, a busy, chaotic life, that's what you got to offer to God. I mean, think about like at mass, right? Nowadays, we're pretty good at saying, hey, if you're a big family, come to Mass. If you have little ones, come to Mass. It's okay if they are talking. It's okay if you're, you know what I'm saying? It's no right. big deal. I mean, it's the same thing at the dinner table. Like, if you just decide we're not going to do it because it's too hard, that's like not bringing your family to Mass. Whatever God gave you to bring to the dinner table, bring it. Right. Because you're not just eating. You're offering to God thanks for the life he's given. Well, if you, like, and look, I'm just speaking, you know, from someone who's kind of going through season. You know, I got three kids out of the house now. And our table is starting to feel emptier. And it's sad yeah. in some ways. Like we're grieving that, but we're still doing dinner, you know, with our kids. And, you know, when they're home, like we, we just make sure. And the two that live at home. Anyway, I'm just trying to tell you, like the fruit of what I've seen it has always not been really pretty or perfect, right? But mm-hmm. if you say, what are the, what's your list? Top two things you should do as a family. Go to Mass on Sunday and eat together. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. wh- wait, what? Yes. And then everything's going to flow from there. Well, for the same reasons. Conversations, prayer. Like, you'll figure mm-hmm. all the other things out. But, like, those two things are done for us. Mm-hmm. Like, we just enter into Mass. Like, right. we don't put it on. We get to go and, like, just receive and be at the table. And look, when you have young kids, yes, they run around. They're messy. They're loud. It, but Jesus accepts us at the table. Yeah. Like, he didn't kick us out, Right. Right. And the same thing is at dinner. We just throw in food on the table. We're all going to eat. It's going to be chaotic and messy, but we're just going to be Eucharistic. Yeah. We're going to give thanks, eat, fight, you know, love, cry, laugh, tell stories, you know, leave, get punished. I mean, we've had kids in timeout <laughs> at dinner. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, it, oh, yeah. it, but like, my, our kids will look back and be like, oh, what'd your family do? That was so complicated. They're like, oh, we just ate together. Mm-hmm. That's it? You're like, yeah, that's because that's all we could really pull off. <laughs> like, you know, like we could cook a spaghetti and like sit down, you know, like so we can overcomplicate it. But the beauty of the way God created us instinctually is to be in relationship with each other, to not be isolated. Let's go off in our different rooms, our habitats. Mm hmm. And build our own little nest. Like, no, let's, the way, the place that we, to bring it all in full circle, nest together is around the table. Yeah. And I mean, the, the sign, okay. So in the, in the church, we have the two priesthoods, right? So just follow me, follow me for a second. Yeah, the ministerial priesthood and the baptismal priesthood, right? We're familiar with this. And the altar of the ministerial priesthood is in the church where that priest who offers only the sacrifice he can, offers 
Jesus himself to the Father for our salvation. So a priest offers things. And we participate in it uh, mainly by offering our hearts in union with that. But there's a sign of that thanks we give to God in the Eucharist. The Eucharist is that sign, right? Like we, here's the focal point of all of our thanks. And it's not just our thanks, but it's the thanks of Christ himself. Like we've been brought into Christ who thanks the Father in an eternal act of thanksgiving. Christ who receives life from the Father gives it back eternally in the Holy Spirit in, in thanks and gratitude eternally. And we get caught up into that at Mass. But our baptismal priesthood and our human priesthood, so the one we have just by nature and then the one we get from our baptism, I mean, what is, what is a powerful sign and symbol of, of what we've received from God and want to give back to him? It's the food we eat mm-hmm. at a table. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the sign that God has provided something for us. Even, whoever cooked it, we thank them for that, but really it's God who gave us he this He sustains stuff. us. Exactly. And we give thanks by participating in this meal together. And so there's a certain sacramental value to, to the table, and it's 2,000 years of that. This is not a new idea. Christianity has been 2,000 years. Even from the beginning, you can read about St. Paul talking to the early church. Some people got a little carried away with the meal part. Like Mass, for some people, Mass kind of included both. You had the Eucharist, and then you had also the meal that followed, and it was all one big thing. And some people were getting carried away with the meal a bit and getting drunk and things like that. It was like you're you're, uh, committing sacrilege against the Eucharist, by turning it into a, a, a you know drunkenness and like overindulgence in the meal, but the connection of the two things of meal and the Eucharist, two separate things but connected because our priesthoods are connected, is literally from the beginning of the church. Yeah, I mean, look, Jesus gathered around the table, right, with the disciples. They ate together, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fed the five thousand. They had a meal together. You know, it's a Eucharistic sort of symbol of what was to come. But like they, they ate together, they had fish and bread. Uh, after his resurrection, where where do you gather Peter around a fire and they ate together? You know, they they had a meal. Like there's something very sacred. It, it it's what we're created for, right? To 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 give thanks and to and to be in relationship with one another and to, to eat together. Like if I want to hang out with you. I'll call you and be like, you want to grab lunch? Mm-hmm. Right, let, let's go eat and just talk and catch up. If, if we're not doing that as a family, we don't learn about each other, know our dynamics and personality. We've, we learn so much about you know, each other around the table, our personalities, our, our likes, our dislikes, our, the, the way we interact, the communicate. Like, like, <clears throat> and God just enters into the mess of all that, and it becomes beautiful, you know? So I think those that are going to give this a shot, right? Like we don't do that and I want to start doing it. I think what you said was awesome. Highs and lows is a great place to start. The way we kind of translate that is like for the little ones, if you have little ones, is I'll ask, did you laugh really hard today Hmm. or did you cry today? Hmm. So that's like, you know, for like three-year-olds, four-year-olds. Right. Yeah. Like did something make you really happy or did something make you really sad? Mm -hmm. Um, That usually elicits some conversation, some things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned stories. So like we... We do Sunday stories, or we pick a theme, like on su- at Sunday lunch. Right. We pick a theme like uh, I don't know Thanksgiving. Do you have any Thanksgiving stories? Mm-hmm. And so we each get a chance to tell some story about Thanksgiving. Usually, I tell stories that they've never heard, 
you know, like yeah. the kids might not have, so about my childhood or about whatever. And so it becomes an opportunity weekly for just telling stories around the table. Um, what are some other things around the table that make sense? It just seems like every, well, those are easy conversation starters. And what mm-hmm. you'll learn is like, honestly, like I have older kids now too, is like they come home, we all sit down. It, it's not awkward. Yeah. They're all looking forward to just sitting down and eating. They know that it's where we connect. And, and then if we would be like, hey, what was your high low the last few weeks since we've seen you? That It's not an awkward conversation. It's like, oh yeah, like here's my happy, sad, my high low, like, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, you know, and then it, and then that just builds into like stories and, you know, debates and, you know, all the things that like, you know, that are just on the table to talk about, you know, it's kind of, kind of beautiful. And then, yeah, I mean, people, it, it start having other conversations at the table and then, you know, all the dynamics happen and, and you just keep it simple. I think oftentimes we just overcomplicate it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the beautiful thing about the mass is that we, we enter into the mass and God does the work, provides the miracle, and, and we partake as a community. Mm-hmm. And then he sends us out, right, to, to live. Like it, it's a springboard for the Christian life. We flow out of the mass, Eucharistic people, people of thanksgiving, to be sent out and then where to our first, our families. And like we we're built up around the table. Like, so we just repeat that meals are provided. Like we just cook it, put it on the table, sit around and eat. And then it just happens organically, naturally. So my encouragement with Thanksgiving coming up and, and Advent is like, make it simple, sit around the table for a meal. Like if you're not doing it at all, do it once. If you're doing it once, do it twice a week, right? If you're mm-hmm. doing it twice a week, try three times. If you have older kids, we put it in the schedule. What nights does, do you not have practice this week or a game? Oh, Wednesday night, we're having dinner. You can do homework after that. Go wherever you want to go. Like, you know, like here's the day. And then just make the conversation easy, you know? And the cool thing about Advent is that it also provides a very entry-level way to pray. Oh, we're going to have an Advent wreath the middle of the table table mm-hmm. right we're going to eat together can somebody light the candle that's easy and here's a little prayer uh you know week one you know like yeah like people are like well we don't know how to pray as a family it is provided you know you pray before your meal yeah and, and mother then, church has provided yeah, yeah it's so beautiful so like don't overcomplicate the spiritual life uh like it just enter into it Mm-hmm. Right, just, like just let the natural happen, and it's and it's great. So like that's that's what's awesome. And if you take the idea of Thanksgiving, you can't go wrong, right? If the idea is, how do we do this in such a way that we're going to thank God for what He's given us, and you you stay within the heart of Mother Church, you can't go wrong, and you build an instinct of gratitude. Yeah, and so that really is what can impact the rest of your life beyond the dinner table because that instinct of just giving thanks to God will continue as you leave the dinner table. But it's the dinner table where Thanksgiving is the main Yeah, we don't have to uh, over... Yeah, don't overcomplicate it. Like, mm-hmm. just... Advent has a week. It's got a theme, light a candle. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're entering into the three or four weeks of Advent till Jesus being born. Christmas, you don't have to overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it... It's the story. You just enter into it. Gifts are given. Why? Because of Jesus. Jesus is being born. 
just enter into that, right? And and like if you do other traditions, great. But just like let let the sacred be the sacred, and it, it'll just it'll take you. It'll it'll help you to just take you like an owl nest in it. Yeah, yeah. All right. No, well, that was good. So an owl tried to abduct you when you were two years old. I'm gonna find out this story. It's amazing. I'm gonna text my mother right now on the break. <laughs> See if that actually happened. All right, we're going to take a quick break <laughs> and we'll Sunday be story. Uh, right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, whether you're listening in on the podcast, feel free to share the show, be a part of it, or on the radio, Catholic Radio of Acadiana, KLFT 90.5. You got it. And there's another one. 99.5, 90.5, and then 1230 AM. It's crazy. The three signals in that cover the Diocese of Lafayette. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good. For, that's awesome. Covered in Catholic Radio, which is uh, 10 years old this year on 12, 12, 12. That's when uh, the mm. first signal went out on 90.5. Really? So now on 12-12-22, it'll be 10 years. Wow. A whole decade. Wow. Happy yeah. anniversary coming Catholics, up. Catholics love decades. We've got decades of the rosary. Mm, that, we got decades of Catholic radio. We well, just that, love them. Yeah, we're just all about the decades. All about it. Yeah. Speaking of decades. Yeah? How about, <laughs> how about a six-pack of questions? <laughs> Question. All right, so I have an idea okay. this week. Uh, since it's Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. we're going to do a uh, round-robin six-pack, which is like back and forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ra- rapid fire. Rapid fire. You, me, you, me, you, me. Someone could get hurt, but it's okay. We're willing to take the risk. Yeah. yeah. All right, question number one. Oh. So as you think back on your past year, mm. I'm going to ask you the question my mom asked me every Thanksgiving, along with everybody who's at the table. Well, because Advent does begin the new year for us. Right. But so you're saying like... Every year at Thanksgiving, my mom asks everybody who's there the same question that I'm about to ask you. Ooh. Think back on your past year. What are you most thankful for? Well, that's a powerful question. And then we have to answer I mean, that is like deep. I mean, that is in the well. Yeah. It's so deep. Well... I'm like at the woman at the well, drawn... (laughs) Don't think too hard now. What comes right to your mind? What are you most thankful for for the past 365 days? <clears throat> Man, a lot. Actually, I'm really thankful for a lot. I'm I'm alive. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're post pandemic. Work is picked yeah. up. I got a lot going on. A lot of beautiful missional stuff. Family is great. Healthy. You know, I can complain a lot about some other things, but to answer your question, mm-hmm. I am very grateful for those things. Wow. Lots to be thankful for. It's a good answer. Mm-hmm. My mom would approve the answer. Really? Because if you don't 
We literally go around the circle, mm-hmm. and you have to go. You can't not go. That, and that's the, the whole part of the table is like <laughs> yeah. no one gets no one gets a pass because we all see you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like everybody has to answer their high low or their happy sad or yeah. So you would uh, you would get a smile from my mom. Good answer. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I actually did s- did send a text message to my mom, so she didn't get back to me. Next show, I'm going to find out about the owl, owl attack. abduction. Okay. Yeah. So here's my question. Okay. If you um, could get attacked by an animal, <laughs> but you had no choice of the attack, it was going to happen, okay? Mm-hmm. What, what animal would you want to be? A- I think the obvious answer would be the ladybug. Mm. One ladybug. Which one would you want to avoid? So this is, that was the second <laughs> part of my question. Yeah, I would want the ladybug. If like something was intent is that an on animal? killing me, um, that insect. would be my choice. Over the ant, because the ant, you know, those could are bite insects, me. though, not animals. Yeah. Well, okay. Fine. Then I'll go with um, uh, a squirrel. Okay. If something that, was that in, with intent to harm you. Up. <laughs> now, uh, the thing I'd want to avoid the most would definitely be a grizzly bear. You would not survive. I would not want the grizzly bear after me. I'd rather a lion than a grizzly bear, I think. Hmm. I don't know why. No no scientific reason. I just, I like my chances with a lion more than a grizzly bear. Right, but if you had your grit knife, I think you might, Hmm. you could survive maybe both. And I do have my grit knife right now. Yeah. So if they come after me, I'm ready. But my initial answer, ladybug. I'll stick with that. All right. I think I could do all right. You're such a very ladybug. (laughs) I could see you like in a car. And that thing was trying to kill me. It's like, like I'm going to get this guy. Like a Volkswagen mm-hmm. bug painted like a ladybug, just zooming oh. around town. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, question <laughs> number three. Um, so you mentioned this uh, trend of young Catholics just not eating, even with families. This is kind of boggles my mind, because I would think like we're all on the same page about this idea. But and again, no judgment. It's just... That's a big cultural shift because, especially in South Louisiana, Cajun culture, mm-hmm. like we eat together. We still eat, just but what we're we not do. eating together. Right. So, um, I guess my question number three is what do we do to reverse that trend? Because sometimes it's really hard to reverse trends, even when you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, what needs to happen? What can we do? It's one of those things it's like you got to just choose to do it, choose to do the hard thing, you know, break out of your busy schedule, or it's just hard to be around the table or make time. Look, I get it. Like we get it all. Like we have five kids and it's like, things are nuts. Like, okay. But you know, like if someone were to say like, we, we don't ever go to mass. Like I would like, I would try to keep a straight face, but at the same time, like you would probably be like, Oh wow, your face changed. (laughs) You could tell me like, I have 30 speeding tickets in my glove box and I wouldn't, I wouldn't budge. But Mm -hmm. if you were just like, we don't eat together. Like you would see my face kind of (laughs) change. Like, it's just something about, like, just do the very simple. Cause, and here's why I'm saying this is because the long-term impact and effect on your kids and your family by eating together is astronomical. I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. Like, so, like, just do it just because it's going to do great things. And it's the most simple of things that you could do as a family. Well, maybe we... uh Okay, so look, everybody listening right now, let's just all commit to that. This Advent, bring back most days of the week, we'll eat together. We're going to start a movement. With our family, and let us know how it goes. Send us an email, text, whatever. Uh, let us know how it's going with your family. Yeah, so since I am, um, you know, you are a deacon, so mm-hmm. next question, question four, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we're celebrating Christ the King, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you know, you know a lot about liturgy and, you know, the season. W- what's, what is the beauty or the significance of the feast of Christ the King? Well, Christ the King specifically is actually pretty interesting. It's a relatively new feast. Some, mm-hmm. some solemnities go back a long time, right. like long, 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 long time. Like Epiphany is one of the earliest ones we Obviously. have. Obviously. Long yeah. time. Yeah. But Christ the King's pretty new because uh, it's actually when when the world began to become a place of these superpowers. Mm-hmm. Now, we had empires in the past that like took over, you know, like Rome and this and that. But as the new world was discovered and then we had uh, technology advancements where weapons became very advanced and we have like this big... You know, things like Cold War and, and mm-hmm. World War II, like this big. So anyway, as that kind of world started to exist, the Holy Father in uh, the 1800s, Leo Thirteenth, knew we needed some kind of statement that as on the world stage, mm-hmm. Christ is always the king. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, okay, you have all these superpowers fighting for power now. But at the end of the day. Christ is always king. Amen. He's a universal king. So we need a statement to the world that that's true. Hmm. It's it's already true. It's not like right. we're not fighting about we're it. We're just proclaiming it's it. It's done. We're just proclaiming it. And so this Feast of Christ the King was instituted for that reason, to proclaim to the world that Jesus Christ is already king. So whoever happens to be in charge right now, superpower-wise, U.S., China, Russia, whatever, um, Christ is the universal king. And that's a really important message for today. And one of the reasons, one of the ways the church proclaims that <clears throat> on that day is to uh, encourage Eucharistic processions in streets, which is something that started really with Corpus Christi. Mm. That's one of those old solemnities right. where we would walk around publicly outside with Jesus just to remind people that the Eucharist exists. Well, we're encouraged on Christ the King to do the same thing, but proclaiming this Jesus we're walking around with is King. Amen. Of the universe. And it's an opportunity for presidents and kings and others to bow themselves publicly before Christ the King. Hmm. You know, and so uh, if we happen to have any Catholic presidents, that's a great thing for them to do on that day is to willingly publicly be seen bowing down to the Eucharist in a procession. Hmm. Christ the King. All right, so uh, question number five. So you mentioned the first... Thanksgiving was a Catholic thing. Uh, yeah, that's what they said. It's pretty neato. Mm. So my question to you is, um, what does a Catholic Thanksgiving look like, let's say, next Thursday? Mm. You know, what, what do Catholics do to celebrate this national holiday of Thanksgiving on uh, some, Thursday? Some families are blended. Like, might not everybody is Catholic or whatever, like extended families and not everybody. You know, like when you get a whole bunch of people together, people are of different, like, beliefs and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you asked the question, my immediate thought was not my immediate family, but like a whole bunch of people at Thanksgiving to be Catholic. There is just to be authentic, right. To maybe make sure that there a prayer happens, make sure that there's joy around the food and the table, uh, loving the people who are there who may may not believe what you believe or think the way you think and just engaging the culture that is sort of your extended family. You know, like to to make sacred what is, you know, to bring Christ into it, Christ the King, into everything that we do. You know, and we don't always have to be like, you don't have to walk around with a crucifix or carrying a, you know, eight-foot cross into Thanksgiving, you know, family. But just be authentically Christian mm-hmm. is beautiful in itself. 
Nice. Yeah. All right. Question number six. You get the last question, dude. Wow. And you can bounce pass anytime you want. <laughs> but it's balls in your court. Okay. Uh, favorite dish at Thanksgiving? I mean, hands down, you can only have one dish. Brisket. Man, most people are having a heart attack right now. Why? Not in South Louisiana, but around the world. Because like, everybody's like, turkey, you have to have turkey. Or cranberry or whatever. Whatever. I'm a Cajun. Yeah. That's and, what uh, people don't know, man. I'll take beef, <laughs> pork over turkey all day long. Now, that being said, a good fried turkey hmm. or barbecued turkey, you know, like grilled turkey, yeah. is delicious. But still, if you've got brisket on the table, that's it, To me, it's like if to. you cook the turkey on a beautiful like cypress board mm-hmm. and got it real smoky mm-hmm. right, and seasoned it well, and then when it was done, you threw the turkey away and ate the board, that's what would be better <laughs> for me. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, I don't even, I just skip the turkey. Man, last year we did this like a ribeye roast on accident. My mom just wanted to get a roast. So she she bought a ribeye one on accident. It just happened to be the <laughs> best cut like, of let's, meat. Let's cook it. And uh, we're pretty spoiled to that. Yeah. So I don't know. That was good. Yeah. 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 I mean, Cajuns are a little bit weird. I mean, we're going to have a turkey there because it's like you have to have the yeah, tradition, but we'll it. have other things. Now, I'm going to Atlanta to family's house for Thanksgiving. So, like, and my mom, but you know, like if you were a Cajun, like, yeah, I mean, We'll probably have both. Like, there'll be, like, pork roast and a turkey. Like, because then, you know, like, we can't just have turkey. Like, it just doesn't make sense to no. occasion. Well, and look, if, if if we're giving thanks to God for his many blessings, why don't we bring in the best? And if it's food and we're thanking God for our food, why don't we bring in the best food to give thanks to God for, right? That's, what I, that's my thing. So if we've got a good brisket or ribeye roast, let's, let's give thanks to God for that. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. great show today, man. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. for You're a hoot for listening in uh, to the show. Uh, don't get attacked by an owl over Thanksgiving. Watch out for them owls. You know, but have a great Thanksgiving with don't your mess family. mess with Mama Owl. Christ the King and the beginning of Advent, and we'll see you soon. God bless.